Well, welcome everyone. Glad, uh, glad to have you here for another one. I see some familiar faces, so you're, uh, you, you haven't gotten enough yet of getting, getting beat down with the productivity stuff, so happy to, uh, happy to do some more of that. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into it. Father, we just thank you for uh, this conference so far. What an encouragement, so many challenging things, so many great reminders. I pray that you would do your work in each of our hearts with the things we've heard throughout this these last couple days, that you would uh, help us to to chase down those areas of that you've convicted us in, to uh, be careful to implement the things that you've encouraged us with. And uh, just thank you for the chance for the the, the brotherly affection, the, the chance to fellowship with other people, other believers. And just pray today, Lord, as we jump into this area of planning and goal setting, that you would be with us as well. We pray, pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, today we're talking about goal setting and the glory of God and really about planning more generally. How do you think about planning? Um, we'll do a little bit of theology of planning because I think sometimes even even in church circles, it can kind of seem like maybe we shouldn't be planning things or what was the role of how, how we should just let the Lord guide us, that kind of stuff. If you guys were in there for the session, we just had that panel, a lot of that came up, planning, thinking long-term, and a lot of the answers. And so I want to address some of that here. Mostly we'll focus on planning at the individual level. How do you think about setting goals? I have some frameworks you can use and again, some worksheets and things like that for you. In fact, I'll throw this slide up. Uh, if you scan that QR code or there's a URL there, um, you can get my notes, any templates from this session, any other sessions, the slides, a bunch of other recommended resources, lots of stuff that'll help you implement some of the things we we're talking about in this session and the other ones, even if you couldn't make it to them. Um, but we'll focus a lot on the uh, setting goals personally as an individual, but I like, I like to think from first principles, so a lot of this is going to be transferable to how you would do it with even a staff or even planning things for your church going forward. So that's sort of the big picture where we're headed. Here's, uh, here's our objectives. Establish a biblical mindset for setting goals and teach you a process to set effective and God-glorifying goals. So one question is, what is a goal? It's kind of a nebulous thing. People define it in a lot of different ways. Uh, and one thing I'd say is a goal, this is my definition, a goal is a specific outcome or state of being you desire to reach within a defined period. And that's precise like that because a lot of times we'll call things goals that aren't goals. We'll talk about a habit as if it is a goal or a project if it's a goal. When I talk about a goal, I think about things like, like I said, a state of being or a specific outcome. It's, it's something aspirational that you're trying, a state you're trying to reach. Um, so for example, you could have a weight loss goal. That's, it, it doesn't speak to the question of implementation, how you're actually going to do it. The goal is simply, this is what we're aimed at. Okay, um, church growth goals, closer relationship with your spouse, um, reading 50 books a year could be a goal, like you want to read a book a week or something like that. But it doesn't get into the actually how do you implement it. And I think this is an important distinction because sometimes people will say that goals are useless because, oh, but it doesn't talk about how you actually do it. But as I'm going to argue, you need to actually have a goal before you come up with a plan for how you're going to accomplish that goal. And the, the more time you spend defining and refining what specifically is it that I'm aiming at, how does this fit into what God's called me to, how does this specifically glorify God, if you get that really tight, 
the, the actual process of planning how you're going to get there becomes easier and easier. And a lot of times we skip this step and we jump right to implementation. Um, so yeah, a shorter way to say that is goals are aspirational, not strategic. Uh, goals provide direction and purpose for our efforts, and they give you a clear benchmark of progress and success. I think some of the reasons sometimes we set very vague goals, like I, <laughs> New Year's resolution is a good example. I'm going to lose weight this year. That is like the vaguest goal you could, like, is it one pound? <laughs> is it by the end of the year? Is it you want to just do it for one way in you know, <laughs> where you're like, I'm going to fast for a day? Okay, I reached my goal. Um, but you want to make a goal really specific, and we'll talk about some strategies for doing that, because you want to know whether you reached the goal or not. You want to know, okay, I didn't quite do it. Now I can make some, some changes and try again or things like that. But you got to start with a clear goal so that you know whether you actually reached it or not. Okay, so this is big picture. Um, let's talk a little bit how this fits into specifically how, how does having goals glorify God? I think, you know, if you look in the, the secular literature or a lot of books on goal setting, it's going to come from a business perspective or a self-improvement type thing and a selfish perspective, we would say, right? And so I think even as we think about this as Christians, it can kind of get a, get a bad rap where it's like, yeah, a goal is purely just something I'm doing for me. And as the title suggests of this talk, the purpose of our goals as Christians is to bring more glory to God, to, to bring our lives into more alignment with what faithfulness looks like in different categories. That's why I set goals. That's why I want to change. It's not so that I can get richer or so that I can, you know, be more handsome or something. I mean, I, most of my goals have to do with handsomeness, but <laughs> you, and they're not working, but the, you, you're trying to do this ultimately for the glory of God. And that changes the way you think about goals really fundamentally. And it actually carries all the way through to how you um, track them and keep them. So I, I like to put it this way. The goal of goals is the glory of God. The goal of goals is the glory of God. Um, the goal is not the goal itself. So your goals are different. They're, they're aspirations, like I said, that you're setting and you're trying, to, you're trying to get to this outcome prayerfully and in his power. And you're trying to get to the outcome because you believe that outcome will more glorify God. Does that make sense? What happens is if you get rid of this as the ultimate objective, these become the ultimate objective. That's when you start to idolize things. That's when that, the, the purpose is this thing that's gonna make my life better. But if you cast your goals as purely a vehicle to bringing God more glory, it's going to change the way you approach them. They're just a way to help you grow in faithfulness in some area of your life. Another way, another way I like to think about it is like the voyage of a ship, right? So if you were planning a voyage in your, your vessel that we all have, right? Our, our sailboats. Um, that's, that's the end goal. Like, I, I want to glorify God with my life. So think about the whole scope of your life. I want, at the end, like we talked about in the last session, at the end of my life, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. I want to, I want to be faithful in every area of life. And that's the destination. So that's going to determine the direction of your productive efforts. Whatever you, you're trying to do, the changes you're trying to make in your life, again, under his power and under his guidance with other believers, it's for that ultimate goal. And that changes the way you think about them. The goals are just your waypoints along the way. It's like, you think sometimes about um, Paul's journeys, you know, you flip to the back of your Bible with the maps and stuff and you see all the different things Paul went to. They're, 
when they were just, think about the one just where they're trying to take him to Rome, how many stops there are along the way, right? The, the destination was Rome, so they could take him before Caesar, but there was all these different waypoints that they had to stop for the winter here, they had to restock here, etc. That's kind of the way, I think, except for your end destination hopefully isn't, isn't uh, you know, Rome, <laughs> or getting executed. But um, the point is, really, that's the way you think about goals. They're, they're little waypoints, they're little, with the clarity I have right now, this is, this is what I'm gonna aim for in this season. And I wanna be specific about that because that gives me a way to, to marshal my efforts in one direction instead of trying to do everything, okay? But ultimately, the objective is to bring you, your life more into line with glorifying God. Okay. Now I wanna address this, and some of you, this might be obvious to you, but this comes up over and over again but I just want to make a case that planning is not a sin. It is, it is right and it is good and it is presented to us as wisdom for us to make plans. We hold them with an open hand, obviously, because God does redirect us. But we see again and again in the Bible that this, it is not wrong for us to plan. Okay? And let me, let me make my argument. So where does this come from? Why does this come up? Where You've probably encountered this where people are like, what do you mean you're, you're setting a trajectory for the, the church for this year? This is your main thing. Like, shouldn't you just let the Spirit guide you to that? Like, why, why are you making any plans? Shouldn't you just wait? I think it comes from people misreading, or, or I would say an incomplete reading of James 4, right? So we know this passage, come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. He's made a plan. He set a goal. Here's what we're doing. Uh-oh. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So it sounds, if you just read that, you're like, well, it's crazy. To, why, would you, why would you make any plans at all? But when you keep reading, you see that the thing being condemned here isn't the planning, it's the boasting in our plans. It's the trusting in them. If you, the next verse, 15 and 16, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is, is evil. So you notice he said, it's, it's, it's a question of attitude, the way, that, the boasting in it. He's saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this or this. He doesn't tell them, don't, don't say we're going to try to do this or this. It's saying, Lord, th- this, is, this is the direction, I, I think with wisdom, with prayer, this is the direction we want to head. And we're gonna, we're gonna try and we're gonna put our efforts into going that direction and you may redirect us, and that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing. And this is one of the ways that when you think of, when you submit your goals to God with an open hand and you're saying, the goal of my goal is God's glory, when he redirects you, you don't get mad. So you say, oh great, God in his providence has taken me in a better direction because his goal, even, even more than me, he wants to glorify himself. And so you can, like Paul did, when he's redirected in his plans, say, great, okay, this must be where the Lord is taking me. Speaking of Paul, let me give you a couple examples just to defend this point a little bit more um, from the Proverbs and then from Paul, and then we'll get into the actual framework. Um, planning is presented to us as wisdom. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Okay, I want to learn to be wise. What do I do? Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. There's, there's preparation, there's planning that goes into it. And it's, we're supposed to take note of that and say, if I want, you want to be wise, you should plan to. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So general rule, right? That's how it works with, with, with Proverbs. That's not, all, that's not always going to be the case, but 
the plans of the diligent. It's, it's presented as a praiseworthy thing. Proverbs 24, 27, prepare your work outside. Again, plan in advance. Get everything ready for yourself in the fields and after that, build your house. Um, Jesus, even, you could think, you know, when he's talking about counting the cost, uses these illustrations of building the tower or, or seeing if you have enough troops to win a battle, right? That's presented to us as wisdom to think ahead and plan ahead. The, the problem isn't the planning, it's the boastful planning, the arrogant planning, okay? Again, here's Paul. Paul had a clear aim. You had that one passion. He wanted to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, this is from, actually, I saw this book is for sale in the bookstore. This is uh, Everyday Matters by Brandon D. Crow. It's, it's a good book on time management productivity from a Christian perspective. He said, Paul had things he wanted to accomplish on his missionary journeys. He had a clear vision of the places he wanted to visit, the reasons for doing so. Paul made plans and aspired for the best ways to discharge his apostolic task. And so he goes through, he has a whole section of the book where he goes through and looks at Paul's example of how most of the time, Paul seemed clear, he, when he's writing his letters, he's saying, I am going here and I hope to come here and visit you, right? He made plans, but then he also was open to being redirected, as we'll see. He had faith-filled flexibility. So Paul had his plan to visit the Thessalonians. He was hindered by Satan. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 2.18 thorn in the flesh. That's a way he was hindered from the plans he hoped to do. Uh, his plans to go to Spain that he talked about in 1 Timothy 3 probably never materialized. But this, those setbacks in his plans, they didn't phase him. It didn't mean he didn't plan. It didn't mean he, he said, oh, well, this is pointless. Because though he had his plans, he always was subjecting them to the Father's will. And when he stopped from preaching in Asia, you know, he went to Phrygia and Galatia, and when he couldn't go to Bithynia, he saw that vision. This is one that always comes up. He sees that vision of the man in Macedonia and say, come over and help us. What I think we forget sometimes, because sometimes people will cite that, especially more in like um, a charismatic Pentecostal type tradition, will cite that and say, look, Paul, Paul was just waiting to be redirected. He was on his way somewhere else. He had made a plan and God doesn't say, no, 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 wrong plan. He says, I have something different for you. And so God inter intervened there supernaturally, uh, prophetically, and redirected him. So the, the point is just, you have clear plans, but you have the flexibility that when God is, is, uh, will redirect you from that, from those goals you've set. Again, Brandon D. Crow, Paul's journey is evidence a mixture of both careful planning and recalibra recalibrating on the fly. And I think this is, this is the key here. If you're trusting in God's sovereignty, that's gonna beget flexibility in your plans. You, you can confident, these things are not in competition. That's the whole argument I'm trying to make is you can make plans, but also be uh, open to the, how the Lord redirects you. And you see examples of that. And the thing that, that makes that possible, that unites those two is I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that I'm gonna try with the clarity I have to make plans that I believe are gonna most glorify him in this season. And then I'm gonna trust that when those plans get scuttled, when they get changed, God's still in control and this must be the better thing he has for me in this season, okay? Um, I wrote in my own notes, I said, if God redirects my goal, I don't get mad. I recognize that he's working all things together for my good and this setback is more in line with his purposes than my plans were. So I give thanks. You don't complain, you give thanks when God redirects your plans because he's gonna glorify himself through my life um, more than I could have through my plan. 
again, just to pound this home, my goal is not ultimate, God's glory is. Um, I'll talk through this. We'll, we'll transition to kind of thinking about the framework and stuff, but I want to pause there. I just threw a bunch of stuff at you. Any uh, thoughts on that, pushback, things that you would add that you think would be helpful um, on this question of planning? How do you plan with an open hand, that tension we experience? Yeah. So you talked about in some of your other sessions defending your schedule. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, so there's, I guess, some tension there. Yeah. How do you know where, all right, like this is a, this is something I can't give attention to, you know, and this is like, this is actually God redirecting me. This is, you know, worth pursuing and being flexible with. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing is, is true emergencies is, is an example, something that, you really are required for something. There are things that cannot wait. And we talk about divine appointments and things like that. Someone walks into your office and they're, they're crying. They're like, I need to talk about something. You know, be like, look at the schedule. <laughs> this is not crying time. <laughs> this is work time. Um, no, you don't want to do that. So I think that there is some of that in your flexibility of, of being open to those things. A lot of it is wisdom, it is, is discernment. Um, and I, I don't know that I, I can give a really pat answer for you know, you ask these three questions of it, but that that's tends to be how I think about it is there are interruptions or things that might be distractions, whether it's from your schedule, like you're talking about, or from your goal. And you're trying to judge, okay, like what, what do I do with this? Is this, is this truly something I need to, to redirect towards or not? I think a lot of that is wisdom, it is discernment, it is um, prayer, you know, when it's longer term stuff and you have the, the time to actually think through it more and seeking counsel. Um, yeah, it, it is a tough thing. And I, I admit there is a tension there. Yeah. But any other thoughts on that in, in answer to his question? There's probably better stuff you guys can say. <laughs> How do you guys deal with that tension when you're like, am I, is this a redirection? Is this something I should switch to? We're all in the same boat. It seems like God uses your desires too. Yeah. In opportunities. So yeah. It's not purely opportunity. I don't want this. I have to do it. I think that's very true. There's some good books on like, it's kind of like a subcategory. The question is like a subcategory of finding God's will. You know, there's different books on that. I think there's that one by Kevin DeYoung and someone else. Uh, what book am I thinking of? Just do something. Just do something. It's, they have an interesting framework where they're like, okay, like God does use your desires. You know, there are, you know, you just, it's, it's like, should I be interrupted by the sin? Probably not do the sin, you know? Um, but there, there are other factors to consider and some of it is just judgment and you can, you have some freedom to just be like, this is a choice I'm going to make and change. So I, I think some of it is just being reflective on it and thinking through things. I think also not when you commit yourself to a course, being willing to review it often, I'll show that in the framework I'll show in just a minute, but I operate in like, I set a big goal for the quarter, right? In my own life. Usually it's more than one, but there's one big one. And each month of that quarter, I'm coming back to it. I'm like, is this still right? Do I make an adjustment? That kind of stuff. So having some of those periodic check-ins to be like, is this still the best course is wise. So you don't just kind of tie yourself to the mast and say, this is the way we're going no matter what. You had a question or a thought? I was going to say, I had another thought on the footnote there. There's that example in early Second Corinthians where Paul has, is talking about a change of plans of travel to Corinth. Yeah. I think 
it wasn't that he was getting upset, but the other party was getting upset. Yeah. So that's another kind of sub point in what you're talking about. Like we shouldn't get so worked up if our plans change, but also we shouldn't get so worked up if somebody others somebody else's plans have to change. That's a great point, yeah. Because <laughs> it's much easier in your, to, to say, well, yeah, well, I need, I need to change plans. But when someone else does it, you're like, what do you mean you're changing plans? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, is recognizing that Lord may be redirecting someone else, even if it was something that might affect you. That's good. Any other thoughts or questions? Yeah. Amen. Well said. Yeah. In some ways, going back to what you had <clears throat> talked about in terms of defending your schedule and yeah. communicating that, that's almost, it, it, it comes into play with this, right? Where if you communicate and somebody self-assesses and says, hey, this is worth interrupting. Yeah. And that, that helps, right? Mitigate that's a good point. Yeah. So like with people you work with potentially, like if they know your schedule, they know the goal, you're, you're letting them exercise some judgment of, I think that I know this is what we're aiming for. This is what you're aiming for. This is your schedule, whatever it is. This is the goal. I think this might be worth interrupting right. for it. Yeah, that's a great point. I like that. All right, let's, let's keep going here. Uh, feel, and again, with this, uh, I forgot to say it in this one, feel free to interrupt me or jump in or something. If I, if I don't look up, I'm I love to be interrupted. Well, I don't love to, but I'm used to it. I have three very little kids, <laughs> which is ironic because I'm talking about defending your schedule. All right, so <laughs> this is a, a big picture thing. I call this, sometimes I call it the pyramid of productivity. Uh, I don't know, I've had it different names. It's not related to the Illuminati. Uh, the <laughs> this is a, a way, this is like a big picture way I think about productivity, okay? And the the objective of all the stuff I'm trying to do, the different layers of my productive efforts is that capstone. I want to glorify God with my life, okay? And then I break it down to, we talked, if you've been in my other sessions, we've talked about domains of stewardship, of thinking about, okay, how do, getting specific about how do I glorify God in this area of my life, in this area, in this area, and being kind of big picture, what are the categories that my life of responsibilities I've divided up into? And then within those, that's the level at which I think is helpful to set goals. So I think in the in the Q and A, I was talking about that I do a little self evaluation thing where I kind of grade how am I doing in each of these areas. I do that at the domains of stewardship level, and then with the ones that aren't going so great, I set a goal. If if my if I'm like you know I am not where I need to be with my walk with the Lord. I'm not spending the time in the Word I need to be spending. I know that I've fallen out of the habit, or it's just not what it should be. Then I set a goal for the next quarter and say, let's let's make an actual plan to fix that. Because I think so often we just live with, I know something's out of whack. I know I'm not being faithful in this area. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. I'll, we'll figure that out. I just don't know what to do next. But pausing, and I really like having this regular rhythm where I'm forced to pause every quarter and I have an appointment with myself to be like, how are things going? What are the problems? And I've carved out time to decide how am I going to make a plan of action to fix some of these areas that I'm, that I'm not doing well in. <laughs> And then I'll show you, we break these down into sort of projects. So that's kind of like the, the little steps on the way to your goal, or if you have a big goal. And then 
this is the kind of the daily level. What are the tasks and habits? How do I how do I actually make sure I'm I'm doing the things each day that are going to help me reach the project, they're going to help me fulfill the goal, they're going to make me more faithful in that domain so that ultimately I live a God-glorifying life. I skipped this one. Have a diligent work ethic. Okay. Let's go to the house, how to set God-glorifying goals. So I kind of talked through this. I got ahead of myself. But this is the first one. And you don't have to do this every quarter. You can do this right now. Evaluate, evaluate your domains of stewardship. Um, so again, I think I have a slide for that. I'll show you in a minute. But I, I break up into six. I think it's probably on your sheet somewhere. I think, I think in terms of those six areas that you have on that sheet. And I just grade myself one through five on there. So that's something worth doing. Even, even this weekend, say, how do, how, do I, how do I think I'm doing? Do this in prayer. Ask, ask for the Lord's help. Do it uh, if you have a spouse. Or you might even do this with your staff or someone you're close with. It's a, it's a really helpful exercise because then you, again, you're just making up the, the grade, obviously. It's not, but it's, it's, a, it's a tool to give you some visibility. And once you actually see it on the paper, you're like, oh, wow, but I actually need to do something about this. Then you write your specific goal and then you interrogate, we're going to go deeper into each of these, but you interrogate your motives and then get more definition on your goal. And then you break your goal down. So let's look at these. Evaluate your domains of stewardship. So this is at that level. There's those. You have those on your sheet. These are, if you haven't been to my other sessions, spiritual is like your walk with the Lord. Relational is your relationships, like your, that could be your family, other relationships in your life, your neighbors, that kind of stuff. You're thinking generally, how am I doing in that category? Vocational is your job. So if you are in, if you're a pastor, that's going to be your vocation, but you may not be a pastor. Maybe you're, uh, it's the main thing you do, right? Vo- vocation comes in Latin for calling. So it's the idea of what's the main thing you're doing. Even if you're retired, you still have some main responsibility. Uh, physical, that'd be your health. Financial, I think in other ones, I've said economical, I think is a better term. I, when I talk about that, I mean household management. It's not just your money in the bank, but how am I stewarding the stuff the Lord's given me? Is my house falling apart? Is my car falling apart? That kind of stuff. The practical things you have to keep together. And then recreational is just a broad category that includes rest and taking time to enjoy God's creation, given time to in, enjoy it and relax from the vocation. That guess that's very important. I think you know, even says uh, into First Timothy, it's given us all things richly to be enjoyed. Uh, that is part of our worship, and it's part of our rest and our actually being able to. Uh, recover from the hard efforts and get back and be fully present. All right, so I evaluate each of those, give myself a grade. I give a bar graph just to demonstrate this. So one through five, that's all you would do. Um, And again, do this in prayer, do this in thought. If you have someone you're close with who can help you, uh, I think uh, Carrie was mentioning that on the panel. You know, you, you might have some blind spots. You're like, I'm doing great as a spouse. And your wife is like, oh, let's, let's mark that as a three. <laughs> so that can be helpful. Then you take that and that sort of is a jumping off point for your goals. Because I think what a lot of times you're like, what should my goal be? Again, I go back to the New Year's resolution thing because I don't know if you guys do New Year's resolutions, but you always feel some pressure around that time. And you're like, oh, I should set, I should have a New Year's resolution. And then you just pull something out of thin air. Or you're like, oh, that one sounded good. The whole point of doing this evaluation thing before you set a goal is saying, can we be a little more strategic? Let's address the areas where we actually need to address. So that's the point of it. Then you go down to the goals level and you want to write it out. Write your specific goal. Specific. This is uh, from a study where they found that 91% of people 
who this was uh, they did a study where they it was people who was planning to exercise and oh, let's see the the first group the control group they didn't tell them anything they said plan an exercise or or you 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 need to go and start exercising at least once a week right and they're like do it however you want and 38% of them actually followed through and did it in the time period the second group somehow did worse they just showed them motivational stuff they're like hey here's a bunch of stuff you know to like Here's what you could look like if you exercise more, that kind of stuff. They actually did worse. The people who exercised consistently, all they did different is they wrote down the goal and they wrote down a plan for how they were going to do it. That, that's the only difference. They, they literally just, that's all they had them do. And 91% of them actually followed through. So there's a lot to writing down the goal specifically and making a plan. So we'll talk about both those, but right now we're just talking about writing the goal down. You may have heard this if you've read other, other stuff on productivity. Smart goals, I think this is very helpful. So when you write a goal, you want to make it specific. And this is a good acronym that can help you make it specific. So the S is specific, which is kind of confusing. But specific, so make it clear. Like I said before, don't make it vague. Don't say, I want to lose weight. Like, what, what do you mean? How much? Right? Don't make it, um, I want to grow the church. Or I want to get better at preaching. Like, the, see how vague that is? You want to make it really, really clear. What exactly is it? What's the outcome you want? Make it measurable if you can. This is hard to do with some goals, but having some sort of metric you're going to track along the way, sometimes this is just a, a, a daily or weekly habit. So the, the way I'm going to reach this goal is I'm going to take, I'm going to get better at preaching. I'm going to read these books. I'm, I'm going to, if I get through these, that's how I'm going to measure it, that kind of thing. Um, that's easier with it. Like weight loss is easier because you can put a number on it, that kind of stuff. But uh, a achievable, make it realistic. You know, you're not, you're not like, I want to beat LeBron James in one-on-one. Like that may not happen. You may not be able to, to beat him or even arrange it. So make it something that actually is, it's aspirational, but it's, you know, keep your feet on the ground. Uh, relevant, make it matter. This, we're kind of addressing that R when we're doing the, the exercise and grading ourselves, the self-evaluation. You're not just doing a random goal. And then time-bound, make it stop. Um, that's the idea of, don't have a goal that's just, yeah, maybe someday I hope to do it. That's just a wish. That's, there's a difference between a goal and a wish. You want to have an end in mind, and that's the quarterly rhythm. Again, that's, it's purely arbitrary. I found it works because 90 days, about 12, 13 weeks, is a good amount of time to do something pretty big. You can take on a pretty ambitious goal in that amount of time, but it's not so long that life changes too much. And you know, I used to try to set big annual goals. And then about halfway through the year, it's like, oh, a bunch of things changed and it's irrelevant now. So I think it's a good, good, uh, a good cadence to set a map. But obviously you might have to adjust it depending on what the goal is. All right, I, I made something that will help you with this. I don't, is, it, is this on the last page of your sheet? Did I include it? Okay. Good. This is also that link I showed you at the beginning. I'll show you at the end again if you didn't grab it. But uh, you can also download this PDF and print it out if you want to use it in the future. You know, so you don't have to hold that one sheet so preciously. <laughs> uh, I just want to show you like this process in action. So I'm going to go through a goal that I did uh, when I was doing one of my books. And I'll just show how I made it specific and how I broke it down into projects and tasks. Just as an example, okay? And you can apply this to anything. Let's start with the goal name. The goal it started out with, I, just, I want to publish the third book. And I had a target completion date. So this was the end, right? Make it time bound. And then I had a review date. I want to 
one month after I started, I want to go and check how am I doing, right? You want to put that on my calendar. I want to check up how is this going. I don't just because you don't want to write the goal down and then like let's file that away and we'll never think about it again. Um, which domain of stewardship is this in? Uh, so I used to call it calling. I call it vocational now. Um, how will I know I've reached this goal? This is this is just again. It's forcing you to make it. Oh, I'll get to that one in a second. But that one is forcing you to think. Okay, uh, when do I know this is actually done? Okay, but I'll talk about that more in a second. I just got these out of order. Okay, so this is step three: is you want to interrogate your motives and further define your goal. Am I doing this purely for selfish reasons? This is a great thing to do in prayer. How is this the right goal? Lord, in this season of life, is this what I should be doing? Give me wisdom. Uh, I want to tackle the right thing, right? Sometimes you, with motives are always so tricky, aren't they? Because sometimes your goals are, they're things you enjoy, they're things you want to do, right? And so you're like, is it purely selfish? Is it about God? One thing you can do sometimes is you have a goal and you're like, it's a, it's a fine goal. I keep using the example of weight loss because it's a common one. You say, but that's just vanity. It's not, it doesn't have to be just vanity, right? It can be recast. You say, Lord, I do want to lose the weight, but it's not so I can have a, a banging beach bod for the summer. It's, so, it's because my health is a stewardship. That's why I want to do this. And so interrogating your motives uh, and, and trying to recast it as, no, th- this, the purpose of this, again, the goal of this goal is God's glory, not just me. Um, these are just some questions, some prompts I ask myself and I think are really helpful in this process. Why did I choose this goal, not another? Be honest with yourself. Why did I pick this? How does this goal contribute to my calling and God's glory? How does this, is it relevant, right? That, that R of the um, SMART goals. Seek outside counsel. We've talked about that. And pray for wisdom and commit your plans to the Lord. When you land on something, again, this is all done in prayer. And you land on something, you say, Lord, this, this is the direction I'm heading. And I want you to absolutely redirect me if this is not the right way. But this is, this is the direction I'm going to commit to. And this is what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to hold it with an open hand. But here's, here's where I'm going. And I commit it to you, Lord. Uh, Proverbs 16.3. Obviously, I had to cite it here. <laughs> commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You want to make sure you're submitting them to him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your, make straight your paths. That's what we want. We, some of these times with these uh, memory verses we learn, you, you forget to think about it. But this whole thing, God making your path straight, that's what I want. Like, I, I want to be on the right path. And that's sort of what we're thinking about here when we're setting goals. I want to make sure I'm walking the right path. And part of that is that you're walking by faith with every step. You're making these plans. You're making the goal with the current level of clarity you have. And then as you take the steps, it's, it's, not, it's all done. Each step is taken with, I'm trusting you, Lord. Redirect my steps. Make it straight. Adjust it as needed. And I would say, too, asking in prayer, for the empowerment to reach the goal. You know, it's God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, I always ask people that, I won't really ask you this, but people who have made New Year's resolutions, I, I like to ask, oh, like, did you, did you pray about that New Year's resolution? Not just for wisdom, but as you step to it, because people always say New Year's resolutions don't work, which is another way of saying making goals doesn't work, which is another way of saying like you can't plan and change. Um, did you pray about it? Not just at the outset, but did you pray throughout it? 
which is what we should be doing if you have a goal, is you're asking, Lord, help me to do this. Change my direction if it's wrong. Empower me to do this, right? It, you're not trying to do this on your own. Again, this is, this is where a Christian's approach to goals, to productivity in general, is radically different from the world. We have a power source. We have the indwelling spirit of God. And, and we are trying to align our lives with his mission. We, we have wonderful resources, an, embarrassing, uh, an embarrassment of riches of resources when it comes to goal setting. And often we, we just, I think sometimes because we think about these productivity themes in worldly terms, we forget. Oh yeah, the goal setting, that's purely a practical thing. That's a spiritual thing. You need to be praying about it throughout. All right, let's keep going on the sheet here. So how will I know I've reached this goal? For me, I, I always like to make it something physical and visible. So for me, I said, I'll know I reach this goal when I'm holding a copy of the published book in my own hands, right? So I could have said a lot of things. When I, when I email the manuscript to the editor, but then I was like, ah, but then they're going to make me do edits and stuff, you know, <laughs> and they, they can always pull the plug on it if they don't like it. And so I said, that's, that's when I'll know I've actually done this. Um, so you try, to, you try to make that really, really specific, uh, not vague. How does this goal glorify God? This is probably the most important question to ask yourself on here. And for me with this book, I said, by encouraging the church to live lives focused on honoring Christ in their work, home, and community. So very explicit about how does this actually connect to God's glory. Step four, you want to break your goal down. So this is where a lot of times we go wrong. You set a big goal and you say, you're all excited about it. Again, the New Year's resolution thing, you're all pumped about it. And then you're like, oh, I didn't actually make a plan. So that there's nothing happening, right? You got to make a plan. So I made a little fancy animation, I guess, here. <laughs> so God's glory connects to your domains. Your domains connect to your goals. The, the leg bones connected to the hip bone. Uh, goals to your projects. So that's where you break it down to that and then task to habits. Because here's, here's the objective here. I want to, and this is, this is just like how I think about it. I want to at any given point during my day to think about what I'm working on, the tasks or a habit of the routine I'm doing and think, how does this, how does this connect back to God's glory? And that's what I like about this pyramid is it's forcing you to make those connections. The, this task and habit is connecting to this project, which is connected to this goal, which is connected to this domain, which is connected to the glory of God. Like that's what I'm always thinking about because often you get there where you, your work feels, feels kind of meaningless. Like, why am I printing these sheets? Like, why are there so many of them? But when you understand it, no, this is a part of our, our goal of doing X, Y, and Z for the youth ministry, which is part of us trying to improve that aspect of our church. So I'm applying this to an organizational perspective. See, the same thing works at an organizational level, which is a part of how we're gonna improve the church so that it is more glorifying to God we're serving our people. See, you can... You can use this so that the work you're doing on a day-to-day basis, is, you, you connect it with how meaningful it is. Because ultimately, that's what you want. I want to be able to draw a straight arrow from what I'm doing each day to how this glorifies God. And projects and tasks are that part of breaking it down. So let's scoot down here. Um, now you're going to get a little bit more tactical. So I've been kind of dreaming about the goal until you get to this part. And now you're asking, how do I actually do this? What resources do I need to reach this goal? So for me, I, I said, well, I need to find a publisher. I need, to, I need a computer. I had a computer. Uh, time for writing. That was a big one. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I actually have to carve out time. Um, any idea? <laughs> and I need outside readers, so people who are going to help support me. And then 
if you don't have those things, that's what this other thing is with the arrows next to it, is make a plan for how am I going to get them? So many, so many goals are dead on arrival because you didn't take this step. You say, oh yeah, I get the exercise one as an easy example. You're like, oh yeah, I, I want to get in better shape. And you don't take the next step because you start to think about all the things you don't, oh, well, I don't have the workout clothes. I don't have the gym membership. Which gym should I go to? Like you start to think of all those. This is just purely, it's a forcing function. It's saying, what do you need? Do you have it? Yes, no. If you don't, what's your plan to get it? So it's forcing you to put the thing into action. How will I quantify my progress? And so for me, I, I said, I actually changed this partway through, but write 500 words a day every weekday. X is on my calendar for every day I, I hit the writing goals. So that was the habit part of it, of saying this is, this is going to be the uh, sort of the anchoring habit I'm going to do each day that's going to help me reach the goal. And then naming some, some projects and habits that can get me there. So writing daily, uh, I had a project to outline it. So I broke that. The goal wasn't just a big, huge thing. I broke it down into little pieces. I'm going to outline it. And then I'm going to write chapters one through five. And in these, it can help to put dates on those. If you have a goal that, that, that you can break down into projects easily, put dates on the projects and treat them like mini goals. Yeah. Sorry, let me go back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said, well, in the how will I quantify, write 500 words. Yeah. And you said, but I changed that. Yeah. How'd you change it and what led to changing it? Yeah, great question. Um, in a big writing project, you like you always hear people say this in, when about writing stuff, and I was just like, oh, yeah, you set a word count goal. The problem is half of, more than half of writing sometimes is editing. And so there's not, so for me, I was like, this habit's not going to carry me through. And I realized that quickly. And so I changed it to a, another goal that was quantifiable, which was time writing. And I actually kept that after this. I, I decided I was going to write for 90, day, 90 minutes every day on the weekdays only. So I carved out a time and my habit was I'll write for 90 minutes. That could be writing and I might write a thousand words or it could be editing where it's just, I'm removing a thousand words, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So that that's one of the things that, and this and that actually speaks to the the process of checking up like that's I, I said a little thing each month of looking back is like is this working for me right now and it just forced me to say no that's not actually a good goal I'm gonna adjust it yeah great question um, that's a, a great spot actually too I want to I know I threw a lot of stuff at you so I want to open this up for questions thoughts we could even take some examples of if you're like how would I break down this goal that kind of stuff yeah in a church setting yeah um, a lot of times your goals for your people are spiritual in nature. Mm -hmm. And you also are trying to guard against a, num a numbers-driven ministry. Yeah. And so sometimes I find it hard setting smart goals that are specific and measurable. Right. Um, in relation to discipleship, things like that, that the, the outcome is a spiritual one. Um, how do you set goals in the context of a church without being driven by fine That is a great, great question because we've all seen the damage that that, do, that does. I mean, even uh, the church growth movement, some of that stuff, even the seeker-sensitive type things, a lot of that, if you trace it back, it, was, it came from ultimately trying to quantify spirit things that can't be quantified. And so church said, if you tie is my church healthy to how many people do we have? You've made a mistake because 
you're not thinking about depth. But the problem is it, it, with ministry is I can't actually measure those. Th- like I don't know. Like I don't have a little you know bar graph on people's you know shirts that tells me how how are they doing. So this is this is actually a really big reason I think it's important to separate the goal from the project itself. Okay. So the goal, like I said, is aspirational. I want my people to grow spiritually or disciple. I want them to grow in these areas, right? I, that's an outcome. What do I have control of? Well, not a lot of that, but I do know that there are certain inputs that I do have some control over that I can do, you know, the means of grace, right? Um, I can, more time discipling them. It doesn't guarantee that outcome. Obviously, God's going to be in charge of how that works, but I do know biblically that if I create a plan for, I'm going to put time and effort and a plan together for how we're going to do the things that tend to those outcomes, that's the part where you can get a lot more specific. And you're not saying this guarantees that. You're saying this this is the thing that I know that I'm responsible for and I can do. <laughs> this is me planting and watering. That's God causing the growth of the goal, right? So that when you say that with the domain, in mm-hmm. the church model, would domain be something like spiritual maturity and then the goals would be the more measurable uh, like you said resources or systems or uh, trellis you know that you put yeah. in place uh, to make that conducive toward that reaching that Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd obviously with the church context have to recast the domains a bit. And even with the personal ones, that's just sort of my recommendation. You can change into what's useful in your own life. But yeah, that's, that's how I would think about it is what are, as a church, you you have, I mean, you probably have a mission statement that actually has some of those outlined for you. We want to raise disciples, we want to evangelize, we want to do these things. You already have some sort of domain set up for you. And then you're saying in, in each season, what are some goals we can set for this season? They're going to help us uh, have some really some specificity of where we're aiming our efforts to reach to improve that domain, right? And then the projects is you breaking down what are the inputs we can actually do strategically, tactically. They're going to move us closer to that target, Lord willing. Does that help? Good question. What else on this, guys? What do you what do you think uh, about this? I I don't think I actually have any more slides. So we can let, if someone wants to take a goal, we could break it down together, <laughs> or we can uh, you can ask questions about this or push back, or if you have ideas, like let's workshop it. Anything pop into mind? So say I think this is even part of the Q and A a little bit. Say you want to raise up more elders in your church. Mm-hmm. So let's break that down. Let's do it. Yeah. So the goal name would probably be raise up more elders. One of the things you're going to want to do is get more specific with that. So um, obviously some of that is chicken and egg type thing. You're like, well, if I don't have enough qualified guys, right? But you want to have some aspiration. We want to try to raise up three more elders, something like that, right? You would want to get make that goal name specific. Um, and then with something like that, you might need to do a longer... Uh, Target completion date that might take some time. Depends on the maturity levels, right? Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. In fifty years from now, when I'm gone, <laughs> we will have some elders, right? You could set that out. You could do the review date again, and, and again, the quarterly thing is just my recommendation. But with these longer term ones, you could say we're going to review this every year. Are are we are we doing the things to do this? 
Um, domain of, what would be a good name for a domain of stewardship there? Maybe church leadership, something like that, if you want to break down the church? Uh, break, you don't want to break down the church. That's not our goal. <laughs> We're going to break it into categories. Um, how might we say we've reached that goal? What would be a good way to say that? Voted on or ordained or whatever you yeah. call it. Yeah. I think that's good. And just as a note on that, I think it's a great one. That That's sort of what you, you want, like I said, a, a physical or visible final step should be the completion thing. Because it, it, it forces you to actually visualize. I don't mean that in a, in a mystical sense, but to actually be like, that's what we're aiming for. We're not, we're not there yet. Because sometimes we, at least I can, you can kind of fudge it a little bit. You're like, I'm basically at the goal. And you don't actually carry the football over the, the goal line. Um, yeah, good one. Okay, so how we know we reach it? How does this goal glorify God? Will be a good sentence for that. Leadership according to God's word for his people. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And a lot of these too, you know, the, this sheet is can be a, a motivational document too. Sometimes even in my personal goals, you cite scripture that relates to it. And because if you're especially with a long-term goal, you're looking back to this. Like, oh yeah, that's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. Um what do you think? How would you break this down with the resources you need? I don't need to add those, sorry. Men. Men. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you have them? No. Uh, we're going to get to the goal. <laughs> what are resources you might need to, uh, and a resource could even be, you know, a, um, a plan or a strategy, things like that. What are some resources you could use to, to raise up elders in your church? The training. The training? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a big one. I, I feel like more than anything, if you do nothing else but plan time for a goal, like if you just skip the whole thing, say, here's my goal, I've made it really specific, and then say, I'm going to do this once a week from this time to this time, you'll figure out the details as you go. So don't skip that. I love that. Plan time planned out for it. If you're thinking real long-term might be something like a, a young men's, train, like a, a leadership training program where it's not even necessarily towards eldership. You're just trying to build that pipeline earlier. Yeah, and then you'd go through the process of saying, okay, how do I procure that? How do, how do we actually do this? And see, it starts to actually bring, it's just forcing you through the obvious steps, but it's things we skip. It's going to force you to actually put a plan into action to actually get there instead of being like, oh yeah, we'll get to that. Um, quantifying progress would be hard with this one. Any ideas how you would quantify progress of raising up more elders? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you could complete certain curriculum, certain things like that. Yeah. Anything else on that one? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's quantifiable. <laughs> yeah. Do you have that done? Are people asking about <coughs> how to become an elder? Like, are young men showing interest? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And keeping and keeping some notes on that or something, right? Yeah. That's useful. Anything else on that one? And then we talked a little bit, but let, let's define it a little bit more. Projects or habits are going to help you reach that goal. 
We, we talk about the classes. We talk about the time. Um, anything else you would add to that? For this one, you got to be hosting people. People need to be in your lives. Like, what does that look like on your calendar? Yeah. Time blocking. Mm-hmm. Bringing men over. Yeah. Or bringing them along on things. That's so good. Because how are you going to know if a guy meets those character qualifications if you don't know him to know his character, right? That's good. Yeah, you got to find out, are they, are they gifted to teach? Are they qualified in that manner? Regular communication to the congregation as a whole, saying that this is something we have, this is something we do, mm-hmm. so that people know that it's even an opportunity. That's a perennial problem, isn't it? Like, you have, you have this program, like, why does no one do it? It's like, oh, we announced it three years ago. <laughs> why? It's not in the bulletin. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Yeah. So that, that's a good example to break it down. But you see, it, can, it can work at any level. It work personal. Life, it can work at an organizational level. You have to fudge a little bit, but the, the whole point of the sheet is just to, to make you not skip steps in the process. It's all like, this is not rocket science, obviously, but our tendency is just to paste a goal on the wall and just say, no, yeah, we'll get there. But if you don't make a plan to do it, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. And if your objective is to glorify God, be more faithful in each area of your life, in your church, you, you got to make some plans, commit them to the Lord and break them down into actions that you can put into place. And can I tell you this, just as a side note, goals help you say no. Like I, I heard someone say, there's an author, Nir Eyal is his name, which is a weird name, but I don't know what it is. He, he, ha, he wrote a book called Undistractable. And he makes the, the argument that the opposite, we think of distraction, and we're like, well, oh, distraction, the opposite, that's focus. He said the opposite of distraction, etymology, <laughs> etymologically, is traction. But if you don't know where you're going, you don't know what traction looks like, where we're headed, you can't even judge whether something's a distraction or not. Because a distraction from what? You gotta have a plan to even begin to say, what am I, should I be focused on? Let me see if there's anything. I don't remember what's on the last slide here. So let me throw it up because we're out of time. See, this is where animations kill you in a slide deck, guys. <laughs> if you get nothing out else out of this, <laughs> just skip the animations. Accountability is huge. If you're doing this in your personal life, if you're doing it with the church staff, don't do it alone. Like if you have an elder board, set goals together. Um, it's not a solo mission. I'll throw this up. Last thing, if you didn't grab those resources, that template, all the other stuff I had, plus a bunch of other recommended resources, things that'll help you. If you're a seminary student, I have stuff on that page too with specific uh, productivity tools you can use to help you get through seminary and not die. But uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. We're out of time. Um, appreciate you guys. If you want to hang around, I'll, I'll talk about any of this more with you. But appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of the conference.